0: everybody. (laughs) I'm going to start with a prayer. Uh, Lord, thank you for meeting us here today as always. Father, I pray that you use uh, the message that I have prepared, that your words would come out, your heart would come out. and Anything that's from me would fall to the floor. Your words would grow and that it would touch people here today. Thank you for all that you've done in my life and all that you've done in the lives of everyone in this room, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So yeah, kind of a big Sunday, huh? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to kind of do a brief oral history of my life a little bit, all right? Because I never saw myself being up here, ever. Ever. Probably, if you asked me 10 years ago, I for sure was like, I would have said, no, I would, I would not be up here. I, wouldn't, I would say I would not be up here at all, not on stage. Uh, as soon as I met Miko, which has been 17 years, if you can believe it, as soon as I met him, I knew he was going to be a pastor. That was probably one of the first things that spilled out of his mouth. And I was like, oh, that's cool for you. That's your thing. That's not mine. From the minute I knew him, I was like, that's for you, not for me. That's your thing. And then Miko got ordained almost six years ago. And at that time, Charlie and Lori asked, oh, do you, you want to be ordained? Because, you know, I'm the wife. And I was like, it's not my time. <laughs> what for, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I said, when it's my time, we'll know. And we know now, right? I've had three children, as you guys know. And in the, with the first child, you go to the birthing classes and, uh, you, know, you know, you learn all this stuff. And I remember the nurse was like, you know, if you feel you're, if you're, you know, you're in labor and you're like, what do I do next? She was like, it's okay to pause and like, just wait and just see what happens. Like, you don't have to be like, oh, I want the epidural right now, or I want oxygen right now, or I want this, you know, she was, she, she was really stressing that, like, just pause and just, it's okay to say, let's see how things go. So that's what I kind of feel like this process has been for me. So I have three points, really. My three three point sermon. I thought of my brothers. We, we've had conversations about this. <laughs> so the first thing is who we are dictates our identity and our position, right? That tells us everything, right? Where we come from influences our outcome. It doesn't tell us exactly where we're going to go, but it does influence where you know what happens. And where we go is up to our yes. It's up to our willingness. It's up to us being vulnerable and asking what if. It's pausing. I want to start with uh, reading 2 Chronicles 1, starting with verse 1. Now Solomon, the son of David, established himself securely over his kingdom, and the Lord his God was with him and exalted him greatly. And just in that first verse... It shows who Solomon is, the son of David. That's who his identity, that's who he is. Where he comes from is from David, that's his family. That's his background, right? King David, right, a man after God's own heart. As we know, he did a fair amount of uh, things in his life, good and bad, you know? But that helped shape where Solomon went and what Solomon got to do was his father, right? So I'm going to continue with verse 2. Solomon spoke to all Israel, to the commanders of thousands and of hundreds, and to the judges and to every leader in all Israel, the heads of the father's households. Then Solomon and all the assembly with him went to the high place, which was at Gibeon, for God's tent of meeting was there which Moses, the servant of the Lord, had made in the wilderness. However, David had brought up the ark of God from Kareth-Jerim to the place he had prepared for it, and for he had pitched a tent for it in Jerusalem. Uh, okay, now the bronze altar, which Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, but they're saying that the the... the The offering is there. Solomon went up, verse 6, Solomon went up there before the Lord to the bronze altar, which was at the tent of meeting, and offered a 1,000 burnt offerings on it. Pay attention to verse 7. In that night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask what I shall give you. And this is in the NASB version, but I like NIV. It says, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. And when I read that, I was struck by that, because often, how often is it that God, that you read in the Bible, especially the Old Testament to me, that God's like, "What do you want? And I feel like a lot of times we get afraid to say what we want to God because we're, you know, we've talked about before, oh, there's nothing good in me, nothing can nothing good can come out of me, you know. And I, w- I was as I was thinking about this, it's kind of a trick question really. Like when we're formed, God puts in all this stuff in us that makes us uniquely us, right? And so then when our heart is turned towards him and he's asking us, what do we want? He's like, I already know what I put in you, but like I need you to tell me what you want so we can co-labor and work on this and, and do this, right? We should also be asking the Lord what we want with boldness. As Hebrews 4.16 says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with, depending on your version, confidence or boldness, right? So who we are dictates our dictates our positioning and our identity. Where we come from influences our outcome, and where we go is up to our yes. And as I was thinking about how, like, all the things that led up to this moment— that I never foresaw coming in my life. I was like, you know how many things had to go right for me to be up here today? Like how many people behind me had to say yes? And um, Tom, if you're ready, can you put up the first slide? I've already asked for pre-forgiveness, I have pictures. (laughs) So this is my mom's family, aren't they adorable? So this is my grandparents and my mom and her two brothers. So they grew up in McMinnville, Oregon 50 miles away from Portland, right, and then Tom can go to the next one. I don't have a young picture of my dad, but I do have this one of my dad's family. So there's his parents and brother. They came from Linden, Texas to Portland in 1956 with a promise of work for grandpa in the dark jacket there. so my mom was connected with World Impact in Multnomah School of the Bible, as my dad said, um, and and they were doing an outreach program. So my mom found herself at Berean Baptist, the church that just shut down. But um, so that's how my mom ended up going there to a predominantly black church in inner North Portland, being one of the only white people there in 1974. That that's a big deal. I wasn't even there, and I know that's a Big deal. Um, I, I think go to the next slide, Tom. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I missed this one, Dad. OK. I, I wanted to say this too. So this is in 62? 62, OK. So there's my dad up there in the middle row. And it, I just found this one to be significant because, like I said, 1962, This was, he was a part of the first integrated uh, baseball team in Portland. Little League, which is a big deal, right? It's a big deal. Yeah, you see all these things that have to line up, okay? All right, then the next one, Tom. So my parents met <laughs> at Berean. They they had a cute meeting. My mom uh, had her hymnal, and Dad didn't have one, and she offered it to him, and they fell in love because they shared the shared the songbook. <laughs> It's so churchy and cute, I love it. This was in 1975, right? And I've, I've already touched on this a little bit, but you know, like I said, this is 1975. This type of relationship, this type of relationship was not common. In fact, eight years prior to their marriage, their marriage was illegal, eight years. So you can imagine when the families met each other (laughs) Um, that there was a little bit of uh, hesitation. All right, you can go to the next one, Tom. Aren't they cute? (laughs) Happy wedding day. So they were married, like I said, eight years after um, interracial marriages were legal. And then can you go to the next one? So you can see, I I love this picture. (laughs) I love this picture, just seeing everyone's faces, because I... (laughs) (laughs) There was a lot of love there. I know there was a lot of love there, but I just love my grandma's face and auntie's face over here. They're like, all right, we'll see see if this lasts. We'll see if this works. I I don't know what they were thinking, but that's just, that's funny to me. So I grew up with my feet in two completely different worlds Straddling two totally different worlds. I learned how to code switch early, which is, you know, I talk this way a little bit when I'm around this group of people, this way when I'm around a different group of people. Because that was my life. I didn't know any different. I, growing up, like when I was younger, I, I loved the differences. I thought they were beautiful. It felt unique and really special. I love my family. <laughs> okay, you can go to the next one. I want to highlight my two grandmas. This is how I, I remember them. They, so <laughs> they were both widowed later in life and they were best friends. And, you, you know, it's funny, I've been t- asking my dad a lot of questions about, you know, when, when you guys first met and all of that. And I, I only knew love. I only knew them as loving and accepting. I never, you know, and I think that's really beautiful uh, one of my favorite memories—they would call each other up, uh, you know. Oh, I'm watching The Bachelor. You watching this? Do you see what they're wearing? Oh yeah, I'm watching. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they—they they called each other often, and yeah, we just were great friends, and I love that. So this is part of where I come from. The story I want to highlight—my stock, Grandma Gaither. Over here on the right. So the, my parents didn't know whether any of me and my brothers were boys or girls till we came out, right? So I was born. He was going dad was gonna call grandma to say it's a girl, and she answered the phone and said, her dad said, oh it's a girl, and grandma said, oh I know, I had a dream last night, <laughs> and she said I had a dream that girl preacher. <laughs> you know how crazy that is. Like grandma, she said a lot of stuff. <laughs> but um, you know, I've talked to Dad about it a little bit, but you know, she was she definitely heard from the Lord, but she wasn't like this like um everyday prophecy kind of a woman. Like, you know, she wasn't every day saying, Oh, and then thus says the Lord. She wasn't that type of woman. So I just find that <laughs> really cool. And this is a woman who was faithful, even though she got done wrong in life, really wrong. But she stayed faithful, and she put her trust in the Lord. You can go to the next one. And then, of course, as many of you know, I started my journey at uh, Berean Baptist. I found this picture yesterday, <laughs> which I think it's so funny. Again, I'd, I've never seen this picture maybe when I was younger. look, I'm holding the microphone. How am I holding the microphone? I hated singing when I was a kid, like in front in the mic. And this is part of what stopped me from being up here for the longest. I was like, I did it once, I got forced, I'm not doing it again. (laughs) But that was, yeah, the the kids choir. So I started taking piano lessons from six to 12. Again, that's a building block why I'm able to be up here. Baptized at 10. But, you know, this was a time in my life where I was saying no to a lot of things. You know, like I said, I was kind of being forced to do some things, as children are. You know, that's not a bad thing. Um, But, you know, then I said no. It was during this time I became a vegetarian. As Miko already said, that that made me the weaker Christian. You know, Romans 14.2 says, one person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. So (laughs) I was the weaker one. But I really, it, this is, it's just blown my mind. If, if something felt like it was outside of my ability or uh, my skill set, or if it was potentially embarrassing, I was like, nope, nope, not gonna do it. That's too risky. But you know, I went along with my family, my family's faith was my faith, what my brothers thought were, was cool, I thought was cool. I still do, <laughs> I still think they're really cool. And as I, you can go to the next one, Tom. As I got into junior high and high school, uh, I attended schools I didn't like. I think I'm probably like twelve here, maybe. I'm not sure. So this is my dad's side of the family, of course. And you know, during this time, the the, be- the differences that I felt in my family—the beautiful differences and all the the texture and layers to my family—felt like a curse instead of a blessing. I, I was never too—I was never black enough and i for sure was never white enough and as all my mixed people can attest to it's like you're too black to be white and you're too white to be black you're, there's it feels like it can feel like there's no place for you and you know because of the school and everything you know i i was mad at a lot of things and frustrated you know teen angst right and you can go to the next slide tom just to show the juxtaposition of one family to the next, again, saying, I'm in two different worlds, right? Two totally different worlds. And there's a series of events that happened in this time in my high school career, like my grandpa died. Um, I didn't run this past them, but my brother got his girlfriend pregnant, Um, (laughs) which ended up being one of the best things that happened in my life, truly. I gained a beautiful sister and my beautiful niece. my friend group at school was changing, you know, and I was questioning God as, as one does, right? And, you know, during this time, I remember being really upset and I was never actually suicidal, but I was definitely like, I can't keep, I, you know, it's funny looking back, I'm like, how do I have these thoughts? But I was like, I can't keep going the way that I'm going, something has to change. So in small ways, I made some small changes. I started saying yes, I started being willing, staying open. I started reading my Bible on my own. I intentionally wrote more, got my voice on paper, writing poems and journaling and, you know, whatever. All throughout this time, too, you know, my mom was like, oh, you got to go to this youth church. Go, you know, get involved with the youth. And again, I was like, no, 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 no. And uh, before senior year, my best friend Camille said, please will you come to this youth group with me? I don't wanna go by myself. And I'm in this whole phase of trying new things. Sure, sure, I'll go once, yeah, whatever. I met my husband there. <laughs> so you can go to the next one, Tom. I'm gonna kinda speed up here. Uh-huh, this is our first formal picture together. We went to prom in a group, but this was our first picture together so started dating miko went to college started bouncing around from church to church not really having a church home it all felt really new and exciting and like explorative and i think that's great to like figure out what you want and where you want to be right and after a couple years miko found himself getting reconnected with charlie miko and uh, charlie's son josh is they're good friends and so they knew each other growing up and so they got reconnected and you know charlie's starting this new home group and you know, so Miko starts going, and me being the good, dutiful girlfriend at the time, it's like I'll, I'll go too. I'll try it, and it was a whole different world. I had never, even though I attended New Song, I wasn't very involved in New Song, which is um, kind of charismatic, um, but here it was like a new language. I was like, what are you guys doing? What you say? You're speaking in tongues. You're, you're doing prophecy. You hear from God like th- He talks to you like that? That doesn't happen. This is heresy. <laughs> True. I, I was like, I don't, so I'm glad I didn't say no. I was definitely like, let me step back here. <laughs> so I read about it and learned about, you know, the charismatic and all of that. So that was good. Uh, Let's see here. Okay, you can go to the next slide. 2012, we got married. This is the last picture. I just wanted to put it up there. We just had our 10-year anniversary. (laughs) Woohoo! But during this time, uh, I took the spiritual gifts survey. I think C C. Peter Wagner. And, you know, I remember I got my answers or whatever, got my nice journal, and I just wrote exactly the answers. Okay, wisdom, like just whatever it said, and I just took it for face value, and I I remember putting it in my nice journal and putting it away and being like, I've arrived. Yeah, now I know my spiritual gifts, and now (laughs) that's all there is, right? And I didn't didn't press in further to that initially, but uh, that was the beginning. The same year that we got married, I started working at Jump for Joy Early Childhood, which is another thing that I didn't really see myself doing working with children, Uh, but I did. And I was put into roles that I wouldn't have chosen for myself, such as the the lead teacher and like um, whatever, the building closer, stuff like leadership roles that I didn't see for myself, but those things have, I've been able to use those things in my walk here. Yeah, let the circumstances of your life be building blocks because you never know what the Lord's going to use. So coming to this moment as I'm getting ordained and Miko and I are transitioning into being the leads, it's been a journey over, it's been a journey, but specifically over the past four years, it's been a really beautiful thing to walk out with the four of us, especially just... Um, being able to pray together and seek the Lord together, ask the Lord, what's next? What are we supposed to do? And through these past four years, what I have found the most impactful is being able to gain a deeper understanding of who I am and what my identity is. Because this is what we do is important what all of us do is important, but who we are is more important. Our roles and titles fade, buildings fade, but who we are in Christ, that's forever. So you know, like I said, a million things have to go right and a million people have to say yes, or what if they would be willing to get you where you're at today, to get me where I'm at today. So, who am I? I'm a daughter and I'm a granddaughter, an auntie, a niece, a wife and friend. I am my ancestor's wildest dreams. (laughs) I am the daughter of the king. I'm in his family and I'm his favorite, just like you are. Where do I come from? These people. A strong line of people, fighting people, wise people, trusting people, faithful people. I come from Portland and Minville and Linden, Texas, Africa, Europe, where do I go? Where the Lord leads, I wanna say yes. So I wanna go back to Second uh, Chronicles 1, verse six. Solomon went up there before the Lord to the bronze altar, which was at the tent of meeting and offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. And that night, God appeared to Solomon and said, ask what I shall give you. Solomon said to God, You have dealt with my father, David, with great loving kindness, and have made me king in his place. Now, O Lord, your promise to my father, David, is fulfilled, for you have made me king over a people as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people, for who can rule this great people of yours? Verse 11. God said to Solomon, because you had this in mind and did not ask for riches, wealth, or honor or the life of those who hate you, nor have you even asked for long life, but you have asked for yourself wisdom and knowledge that you may rule my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge have been granted to you and I will give you riches and wealth and honor such as none of the kings who are before you has possessed nor those who will come after you. So Solomon went from the high place, which was at Gibeon from the Ten of Meeting to Jerusalem. And he reigned over Israel. He was able to, it's like everything came together for him, right? Who he, his identity got him to where he, where he was in his family, where he came from. David put him in this position where he was able to even be in a position to, to be king, So we gotta ask for what we want. We have to ask God what he has for us because it's different for each one of us. He has a unique plan for each one of us that he wants to work with us to achieve. All he needs is your yes. And if you can't give him your yes, give him your what if. Give him a pause. Don't say no. It's okay to have a pause. All he he needs is a willing heart. So who we are indicates our identity and our positioning, where we come from influences our outcome, and where we go is up to our yes and our what if.